0: It's so dangerous to have your identity wrapped up in something that can be gone in an instant. This is From Paint to Purpose, a podcast by FCP Services, where we believe people drive growth, exploring topics related to company culture, leadership, and construction industry insights. Now your host, John Barsness.
1: So talk a little bit, I guess, about some of the concepts around willing to do those little things every day, routinely, that the idea that just because you had success sort of uh, lightning in a bottle, whether it's a new product or a new service or a successful one season in athletics, right, Um, that sort of leads us down this path of, well... I must be really good then because I had this one good success that leads us down this path of forgetting that we actually don't, we didn't do the hard work of that you earn success through your, those, those habits, uh, if you will.
0: Yeah. So what that reminds me of is, and I apologize if this offends people, but this is the way I talk in real life. So um, that in, I think it's in a rap song, but he says that there's levels to this shit. And it's funny because that's why I say that talent is more like uh, talent is when you're talented, it's more of a a curse than a blessing, because if you don't learn the skill set, if you don't develop the characteristics of somebody that isn't talented, eventually your talent is going to wane. And other people are going to catch up to you. And if you've been relying on talent and not work ethic and not character and not skill, then um, you're going to actually be way behind down the road more of when it actually matters instead of when it feels like it matters. Because it always feels like a big deal. You know, I talk to kids all the time and like it really felt like a big deal, that tournament that they played in when they were 12 years old. It really felt like a big deal when they played in the high school state championship. It really felt like a big deal when they played in a college championship. It really felt like a big deal when they played in a a professional tournament. And then when they get some space from that, they realize that actually wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it was and felt like it was. And had I realized that and kept it in a proper perspective, I probably actually would have played better. Because they didn't put it on this pedestal that it didn't belong on. And so it really trapped a lot of my hard work and skill and didn't allow it to come out. But yeah, there's there's levels to it. It's it's funny, you know, again, I, I play a lot of golf, and so there's a lot of times when people look at my golf game and they're like, Yeah, he's not very good. And they're right. But there's levels to this. Let's go play in a stroke play event, and all of a sudden it might look a little bit different. Let's, let's play match play with no strokes or for a lot of money. And there's levels to this shit. It's not just what you see, it's how can you handle all this other stuff that comes along with it. And really what it comes down to is that not only is there levels to this stuff, but you can't skip levels. And if you do skip levels, And that's where winning the lottery comes in or being super talented comes in. You're going to be worse off down the road. So that's why people that win the lottery typically uh, on average five to 10 years down the road, they're worse off financially than they were before uh, winning the lottery. And because if you don't have the skill set, if you don't have the characteristics that it took to acquire that, then you're most likely going to lose it because you don't know how to handle it. You don't know how to take care of it. And if you get really, excuse me, and if you get really, um, you know, what most people would call lucky. By you know, winning the lottery or being really talented, then what that does is it allows you to skip steps. It allows you to not go through the pain and suffering that you should have to go through. You can not put in the work, you cannot put in those unseen hours, like my buddy Drew Hanlon says. And then there's a point coming, there's a level coming, there's a boss coming that you gotta fight. And, you know, like the old school video game. But if you didn't learn the skills, if you didn't do the work, if you skip steps, you're not going to be ready for something that's coming. And then who is worse off? You know, so like I, I love Carrie Corver to death. Kyle Corver's little cousin. She was one of the best shooters in America. And I had five years with her at UCLA. She's like my little sister. And, and she's the hardest worker around. And I, I always told kids, I was like, she's not the most talented by any means. But if you don't learn how to work the way that she works, if you don't learn how to treat people the way that she treats people, if you don't develop the type of character that she has, she is going to so far leapfrog you down the road. It's not even funny because she's had to, she's had to fight and claw and give everything at every single level, just to survive (laughs) and occasionally thrive with way less athleticism. And if you don't learn that, if you don't learn to develop that, there's a level coming where you're going to desperately wish that you had. It's why, again, going back to, you know, my speaking skill, I cut my teeth in the street. I've gone into some of the toughest housing projects, some of the toughest schools. I've gone and spoke for free all over this country and places that most people will never go. I've spoken in gyms that have terrible acoustics with kids that do not want to be there. I've been in, 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 I remember being in a 700 seat auditorium that had like 90 people in it. The lights went off and my microphone went out and everybody thought I was going to stop. And I didn't stop. It's those experiences though that whenever I'm getting paid a ridiculous amount of money to give a massive corporate keynote and 15 minutes before I go on stage, my notebook that has every talk that I've given for the last five years was stolen and disappeared and I've never got it back. And I walk on stage. I had to take some deep breaths, but I realized you're going to be okay. You've trained for this. Would I have liked to have my notebook? Absolutely. I don't use slides. I, I wanted my notebook, but I cut my teeth in the street. I- I- I've been doing this in places that are way harder. I remember the first time, time—I actually the only time I've ever officiated a wedding and it was for one of my best friends and it was really special to me. I didn't want to mess it up. And so before I went out there, I had all the groomsmen come into the restroom and I did my entire talk with them in the restroom and I told them you can do anything that you want to do to me, minus you know, physically hurting me while I do this, to distract me, to mess me up, do whatever you want, because the the, the tougher we make it in our training. And oftentimes we don't realize that real life and the games in our businesses actually are training for something down the road. If we'll make that so tough, then everything slows down when it really matters.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, that leads down this this idea of mastery that you talk about and it moves in steps not in um, uh, not in in constants. And I think the 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 one thing that I've learned over 20 plus years of of leading organizations is I want to hire people who have had to who have failed and and have learned from that failure. Not because the failure in and of itself was the end all be all, but because they have had to understand and pull their bootstraps up and do it again and get up after they got knocked down. Those are the, some of the people I won't hire people anymore that haven't, that can't articulate a story from their past where that happened. And, and so I think in some ways, those are people who to me have mastered things that you can't learn in, in even the greatest of MBA programs or PhD programs or anything else. And there's nothing to knock education. I'm an education snob. So I I heartedly admit that. But there are things when I was on the brink of losing my first company because I didn't know what I didn't know and I was unwilling to allow for myself to learn those things. It made me a better second business owner and third business owner because of that. If I had had success right out of the gates, there would have been no second and third company, I can guarantee it, in knowing what I know now. So talk a little bit about why mastery is so important on becoming the best version of whoever you are trying to become. Well,
0: I'm going to kind of take that and talk about failure a little bit, because I think that if you've never failed, then have you ever actually pushed yourself? Do you actually know what you're capable of? I mean, that, that's just, it's such a weird concept. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have kids of my own, but I have a lot of kids that I talk with that are, you know, my best friends or, you know, family members. And what I always try and tell them is, especially the parents, until they get a little bit older and I can actually explain to the kids, I try and tell the parents, I say, listen, in my opinion, you want your kid simultaneously to be the best player on a team and the worst player on a team. And I think that's the best environment that you need to learn what it's like to have to lead and have people look up to you and in those moments how to treat people that aren't as good on that team and you also need to know what it's like to be the water boy. One of the best experiences of my life was being the water boy and um Colorado, the summer between my sophomore and junior year, and my buddy Jamie Gilbert and I went out there and they flat out said and thought that I wasn't good enough and I was playing against players. That I think there was like seven guys that would go on to play on different national teams every day I was guarding Robbie Finley in practice I didn't play defense, but that's where I would end up getting put and Robbie Finley, Robbie Finley ended up starting for our national team in the next World Cup. And um, I wasn't good enough when I got there. And I learned for the first time what it was like to be the water boy that didn't dress for one single game. And you know, at the end of the summer, the coach said to me, hey, I want to apologize. I should have put you in the lineup. You grew so much, and by the end of the year, you were good enough to play. And I knew that. But I also learned through that summer what it's like to be on the other end of the team. And it was invaluable lessons that I never could have learned. I never could have understood if I had always been the superstar everywhere that I went. And so I think that how do you know what you're actually capable of, what your potential of or potential is if you're never pushing yourself to the brink of failure?
1: You can't. Yeah, I no, I would agree with you on that. I mean, I've always told people if you're not stretching and growing to the point of failure, you're not actually growing. Right. And and. It just doesn't, it doesn't, I, I can't compute with that either though, but I've also, I I just, but that's why I say I don't, I've never hired, I haven't hired anybody in the last 15 years that had, that can't demonstrate for me where they failed because I just don't think that you are actually ready to find sustainable success, whatever that is, and be good at anything or master anything if you haven't failed, because you don't know what you should be mastering if you haven't actually (laughs) failed and, uh, you know. I I always tell people I'd rather have you face plant while I can help you before uh, you go out on your own and and cause more problems for yourself exactly. and others because of it. So um, in terms of the, the so I think along with this idea of not be you know not having experience or not wanting to fail because for whatever reason there's a lot of reasons people refuse to want to go down that path. I think a lot of that comes to an ego, right? It, it, the ego isn't allowed to doesn't allow us to go down that path because that would mean that it's too bruised and battered and we don't want to deal with our own self uh, around that so why is it what is it about ego that is so difficult for people to overcome when it comes to identifying that what success actually needs to look like for themselves and doing the hard work of actually realizing that yeah
0: Great question. And I'm not sure I have a great answer, but I I do know that ego is one of the greatest inhibitors of true success and truly fulfilling your potential. Because so often our ego is gonna get in the way and it, it wants to protect us. It wants us to stay in a safe bubble where we feel good, where we feel great, where we feel like we're, you know invincible, but really it's just a lack of security in who we are and where our identity really should be found. And the more secure that we are as a human being and not attaching our self-worth and our identity to some activity that we do or some outcome that we get the more likely we are to actually pursue stuff that's hard to actually tap into our potential because our ego is always going to want to keep us safe or our ego is going to put us into situations that are going to really, really mess us up. And I would like to use another word, but I've already cussed a couple times. So I won't, (laughs) um, it will really, really mess you up. And, um, and then, Once again, you're going to have a hard time fulfilling your potential because then you're going to have this bruised ego and that creates a a whole nother set of of issues. So oftentimes, again, I think it comes back to the, the character piece of who do I want to become and stop allowing my identity to be wrapped up in what I do and outcomes that I get and... You know, and so I think in Chop Wood, but I think I talk about even more deeply in Pound the Stone and Win in the Dark, definitely in Transformational Leadership, that it's it's so dangerous to have your identity wrapped up in something that can be gone in an instant, whether that's a business, whether that's an occupation, whether that's a, a hobby. But if what you do can be gone like that, that's probably not something that you want your identity wrapped up in because then who are you when that thing is gone? Why do you think so many kids deal with suicidal ideation when they finish playing their sport or they, you know, whatever. I mean, like you can look at kind of the highest level of, you know, you've got people that have won lots of Olympic gold medals and, or have been at the very, very top of their, craft and then they, they lose or they retire and it's like, whoa. And they just feel like they're on, you know, very, very shaky ground because, well, if my identity has been solely wrapped up in what I do, well, then when that thing is now gone, who am I?
1: Right. Well, I think that also goes to why people won't risk because that one thing is the knowledge base uh, around that. I also think it is, uh, you know, that identity piece is is important. And I know we've got just a few minutes left. And if you would jump back on, I'd love to Have kind me. of di- hone in on on that piece of it. Because I do think that part of it is so important as it comes, as it relates to finding that piece of ourselves that isn't going to be just simply around what we are, are doing. Yeah. Because that's so easy for us to both play to the ego but also not not be grounded and rooted in something much more uh, about others and and less about ourselves which ultimately gives us the best opportunity to actually have the influence that we hope to have uh, i think at the base level we all want to be v- viewed as valuable um, but when we're tied up to our identity around what we do or how much money we have or all those things we actually lose the entire focus around <laughs> what that thing about
0: what you just said and i don't know that i've ever articulated this or had this come out of a conversation but that it's if you believe the lie that people are only valuable based off of when they win or based off of how much money they make or whatever their titles are, well, then you're seeing everybody else is invaluable when they don't have those things. And so really what it is, is then, yeah, when that stuff happens to you, oh, shit, I'm no longer valuable because I've, I don't believe that they're valuable. And so one of the things that, you know, I believe at a fundamental level is that every single human being is infinitely priceless. Everyone, every single one. Including the people that flew buildings into the planes into the buildings on 9/11, including people that have done terrible, terrible things. I vehemently disagree with the things and the choices that they have made. and they are suffering and people have suffered, and there's all sorts of human tragedy that comes from that. But at a foundational level, every single human being is infinitely priceless. And if you don't believe that, That then has very, very big implications for yourself. Correct. And and we don't even realize that when we're in the midst of it. But we've bought into this lie that, oh, you're only valuable if you win. You're only valuable when you do this. You're only valuable if you have this. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff out there that you can't control. There's a lot of really, really smart people that have had, you know, a different life experience and all of a sudden one thing happened and then this happened and then this happened and then boom, 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 boom. I just had a a dear friend of mine whose uh, family is going through something that you only see about on the craziest of movies. You, You can't even, I mean, you write this in a Hollywood script and people would say, ah, that's a little unbelievable. and yet. These people are going through this. They didn't do anything to deserve this. There's just crazy stuff that can happen that's outside of our control. What did my parents do something to deserve? My baby brother, you know, the light of our family drowning whenever I'm nine years old and he's two and a half? No. But how's that going to rock your world? How's that going to change everything? I mean, you just... You just don't know how quickly and then all of a sudden you end up in it and it just becomes this spiral downward because at a core level, you don't believe that human beings are infinitely priceless.
1: Right. All right. So picking up uh, on this whole theme around identity, uh, you know, one of the things that we've been working on in our organization uh, is helping people be uh, focus on being rather than doing. And especially with our yeah. leaders, um, talk a little bit about what it simply means to uh, remind yourself of the value that comes from who you are, as opposed to what you do or whatever the world might say is successful or not successful for that matter. And a little bit about what that looks like when it comes to how do you remind people uh, and how do they remind themselves most importantly, about what that what value they actually have to the world that they are existing in?
0: Yeah, to me, it's a really personal one. And, you know, I, I don't, go into this very often, but you know, the, the one of the reasons, you know, were to ask me, well, how can you say that every human being is infinitely priceless? And I would say, well, I believe that God created every single human being in his likeness and his image. And then he went one step further and he sent his son to die on the cross and that Jesus's life was paid for each and every one of our lives. Therefore that makes every single individual's life infinitely priceless um, when people ask me you know well, what if I don't believe that you know that's my logic that's how I got to that point um, you know I think there's other ways and there's other things in logic that people use for believing that human beings are you know infinitely priceless as well it's not exactly in my wheelhouse to, you know, describe those things So, you know, I have conversations with people, um, you know, okay, if you don't believe that, well, then, you know, again, does a truly successful life look like to you? Well, then let's focus on those characteristics and trying to develop those characteristics um, so that If you were in an accident, if you lost your business, if you lost your family, if, you know, something like that happened, you still have these characteristics inside of your character that can never be taken away from you. And so that's uh, the way that we try and teach the identity piece. But it's it's much more focused on, you know, the character versus the outcomes and the You know, even skill set versus outcomes, because whenever you're focused on those outcomes and, um, you know, I, I get frustrated and I correct people when they say, you know, I am a doctor. I'm like, no, you are a human being or a child of God who happens to do this you are a human being who happens to have kids you're a human being who happens to serve in a role as a coach you're a human being who happens to hit kick throw catch a ball really really well don't use a thing that you do to describe you as a human being It's a very slippery slope and it's one that just gets, you know, woven into the fabric of society and, oh, it just, no, no, he's this, this, I'm a this, I'm a that, he's a this. And eventually it becomes our identity. It's a very slippery slope.
1: So one of the other topics that you dive into in Chopwood Carry Water and is a theme throughout some of your other books is this idea of of willingness to, what are you willing to sacrifice to accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish for who you are becoming, right? That process piece. Talk a little bit about what that looks like from your perspective when it, when, when that topic comes up, because again, we often are, uh, we struggle in this world sometimes when we talk about sacrificing or serving or whatever that might be right those are two different concepts but woven around the same piece which is it's not about me it's about what i'm able what i'm doing for the world around me and the and the people of influence that i have uh an opportunity to be around um and that's that idea of are you willing to give up X, Y, and Z in order to reach whatever goal you've stated or your view of success is. uh, And why that, again, that sort of falls into the, yeah, I want to talk about being successful, but I actually don't want to put in the work to do that. And how that wraps into that, your whole philosophy around this.
0: Yeah. So I think it's really important. And so, you know, normally I'll say, you know, what are, What are you willing to sacrifice inside of your 24 hours a day? What are you willing to sacrifice inside of your 86,400 seconds a day to close the gap between where you're at and where you want to be? What are you willing to sacrifice inside of those same metrics to close the gap between who you are and who you want to become? And again, it's, you know, it's very easy. It's sexy. Goals are sexy. Oh, yeah, I want to win that national championship. Oh, I want to, you know found a unicorn company. Oh, yeah, I want to have a eight-figure exit. Oh, yeah, I want a six-figure job. Yeah, those are sexy goals. Um, Those are sexy outcomes. But what are you willing to sacrifice inside of What you actually have control over. And the thing that I love about sacrifice and time, and that's why I try and break it down inside of 86,400 seconds every single day, is that time is the only resource. It's the exact same for every single human being, whether you live on the street or whether you're the president of a country. We only get that amount of time every single day. So it's one of the only resources that is, uh, you know, does not discriminate. And it's one of the only resources that's, that's truly completely fair on a daily basis. Maybe not on a lifetime basis. Different people will have, you know, different length of their lives. But, you know, we all only get every single person playing in the NBA playoffs right now. They get 24 hours in a day. That's it. Um, and so, yeah, what are you willing to sacrifice lots of people are, are you know excited to talk about their goals that where that really came from is this this girl that was playing in the Pac12 sent me a list of her goals back you know 10 years ago and i literally I text her back and i go burn those <laughs> what are you willing to sacrifice inside of your 24 hours a day to close the gap between where you're at and where you want to be what are you willing to do every single day to close the gap between who you are and who you want to become I'm not interested in your wish list. Is, is the, Do you still believe in Santa Claus? <laughs> like, what is this? Will you, is, is this make a wish? Are you going to do the work or are you not going to do the work? That's it. There's just, there's it takes what it takes. Are you going to do the work? Are you going to make the sacrifices? And then there's lots of people that say that they will, and then they don't. There's lots of people that say that they will, and they kind of. There's lots of people that, you know, do it half the time. There's a lot of people that do it three quarters of the time. It's incredibly rare to find somebody that says, this is what I'm going to do. And then does it every single time. This is what I'm going to sacrifice. And then does it every single time. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit fcpservices.com. Until next time, remember... People
1: drive growth.